Thank you. I always enjoy coming and catching up with you all. So, um, it's a great time of worship. I um, ended the worship, I was wishing that I'd worn my waterproof mascara today, but I didn't. So, like at the back there, wiping all my smudges. So, so it was a good time. Um, um, who's enjoying reading through John at the moment? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's good doing something together. And then hearing a preached word of like, what, what it is that God wants to bring to us. And there is so much in each chapter. Each chapter is actually quite big. And there's so much in there. And so I'm going to just pick out just something that um, I just I believe God wants to highlight to us as a community today. But there is so much more in there as well. So I'm going to read to you the, the passage um, about the Samaritan woman from John 4, chapter, um, John chapter 4 from verse 3. And... Um, so if you want to turn to your Bibles, John 4, if you've got them. Okay. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, "'You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink?' For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him, give them, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For there are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Um, what's fascinating in, is this story is Jesus telling the woman that um, he is the Messiah. You know, this is the only place in the Bible that Jesus actually specifically says, I am the Messiah. And he's speaking to this woman. And I thought it was really amazing because this story is a story of encounter, love, acceptance and relationship. All of humanity is longing to be accepted, is longing to be loved, and is longing to be in relationship. And here, this, in this story, Jesus is modeling that in some way. I loved hearing Sally's testimony of what her longings are and the things that she's doing in her job and, and how she experiences people's journey to wholeness and healing when she just is in relationship with them and she's loving them and just listening to them. There's something really powerful about that. And this is what this story is about. The story of the Samaritan woman shows us how Jesus loves the world, how Jesus loves people around us, how he wants to interact with people around us. The disciples have all left Jesus to go and buy some food. And while Jesus is alone by the well, he meets this Samaritan woman, which becomes this profound moment of love and acceptance and offer of life. And Jesus has this dialogue with the Samaritan woman who then goes off to the village to tell everyone else. And, and if you, you know, he, she, when you carry on reading the passage, she goes and tells people and say, come and see the person who has told me everything I've ever done. And she wants everyone else to have this encounter that she has just had. And they all come and meet Jesus. And when they meet him, they too become believers of Christ Jesus. Jesus wants to meet each and every one of us. And when we meet him, when we receive him, when we accept him, something happens deep within us. That when we encounter Jesus for ourselves, we can't help but um, allow others to encounter Jesus through us. Something is happening deep within us as we encounter Jesus. Have you ever wondered, I've wondered this, why do the disciples, all the disciples, go off to shops to buy food? They've all gone to buy lunch and they've all left Jesus behind, you know, and how many people does it take to buy lunch? And there's Jesus sat on his alone, alone. I did wonder if, um, I was thinking about this, and I wondered if they were afraid to go alone to the shops, because the Samaritans were quite hostile to the Jews. 
And in Luke 9, if you read Luke 9, and you, you can see there where the Samaritans were actually in opposition to the disciples and to Jesus. And, and James and John, I think, trying to be all like indignant of how the way the Samaritans were treating them. They said to Jesus, shall we call down fire from heaven to burn them? And Jesus rebuked them and said, no, what are you talking about? These are people... And so we see that the the Jews, um, the disciples, maybe they're struggling with their relationships with the the Samaritans. Maybe they're a little bit afraid. And the Samaritans and Jews have been hostile to one another for about about 700 years. Um, And like the Jews, they were children of Abraham. And they lived in the northern kingdom, and they were oppressed, and they were ruled by the Assyrians. And so they became cut off from the Jews. And the Jews um, didn't respect their religion. They thought it was like an inferior religion. In fact, when you read John 8, the Pharisees, they said to Jesus, you are a Samaritan, you are of the devil. It was like the worst insult you could ever give someone is to tell a Jew that you're a Samaritan. So the disciples, um, as with most Jews, did not have a great relationship with Samaritans. So I wonder if they all went off to get lunch together because they were a little bit afraid of the Samaritans. They didn't want to be on their own. But maybe Jesus wanted to be on his own for a bit. You know, I think Jesus liked his alone time because it's a really great opportunity for him just to be him and his father. And, um, you know, it's good for us to think think of times when we're on our own, that actually it's a really, really good opportunity for us to be aware of the presence of God. You know, I can imagine Jesus just there by the well, just saying, God, I just know that you are here right now. God, I just know that you are with me, and I just thank you for your presence you know, we can do that. We can take every moment that when we're alone, just to say, God, I know that you are here, right here with me. So here's Jesus alone by the well, hot and tired. It's about noon. It's the hottest part of the day. And a Samaritan woman comes to the well. And as the story unfolds, we discover the woman has lived through many broken relationships. She's been abandoned and rejected. And we know this partly that it's more about her being abandoned and rejected, more about her being the victim in all of this than anything else because of the the Old Testament laws around divorce. According to biblical law... Um, It says that um, a man um, is entitled to give his wife a certificate of divorce and ask her to go away for no grounds. It can be just that she hasn't pleased him enough, that he he can decide, that's it, I want to divorce. And she cannot, like, fight it or argue it or anything. She just has to go. And women had no grounds to ask for a divorce. And so, so here's this woman who this has happened to five times. That her husband has rejected her. Her husband has decided that she's not good enough, that she's worthless, and has sent her away. 
So normally, um, women would come to the well to draw water. Um, um, they wouldn't come at noontime. They would come early in the morning when it's a little bit cooler. And perhaps this woman comes to get water at this time because it's the least likely time that she's ever going to see somebody. She knows it's the hottest part of the day. Hardly anyone is there at the well. And she's feeling all these feelings of humiliation and, and being despised and rejected. And so she, she goes to the well when she thinks she's not going to see anybody. But she does see somebody this day. Jesus sees her. Jesus sees her. He speaks with her. He comes close to her. He loves her. He shows her his love. He accepts her and receives from her as well. So no matter who we are or what kind of life we've lived, no matter the connections we've had or not had, no matter how much love or rejection, all of humanity needs to be seen, to be loved and respected, and to have true relationships. We need that to be healed. We need that to be restored. All of humanity is the same. They need to be loved, accepted, received, and respected. True relationships bring healing and restorations to us. So how do we approach those who are, whose lives are broken? The Samaritan woman is so, like so many people in our world. Like so many people we come into contact with, perhaps on a daily basis. Wounded, broken hearted in some way. And Jesus, in the heat of the day, did something so profound when he asked her, can you give me a drink? He becomes the needy one. He is calling the Samaritan woman into a position of giving something to him. He is empowering the Samaritan woman. He is showing her that she has got some value. This woman who is broken, fragile, broken self-image is given the opportunity to feel needed, useful, respected. Jesus is showing us how we don't have to show the world our perfect self. We don't have to show the world how we've got it all together because we don't win the world like that. It's not reality. We all have struggles. We all have difficulties. We all have pains that we're working through. Now, Jesus came to this woman vulnerable, humble, and in that, he showed her compassion. In that, he was able to lift her up and raise her up. It's a way of entering into true relationship. You know, the biggest connections I have with people are the ones where I am the most vulnerable with them. I don't know if you can think about some of your closest relationships. Some of the relationships where you feel like... Um, you, you feel loved in that relationship, feel encouraged in that relationship. And it's probably those relationships where you're the most vulnerable, the most humble, the most like yourself. Jesus showing his need 
of this woman allowed them to enter into true relationship. Jesus and this woman entered into a true relationship. Jesus does not see the brokenness, doesn't see the chaos, he doesn't see the mess. But she, he sees her longing for true acceptance. He sees her longing to be loved. He sees her longing to be, to be in a relationship that's, that's um, kind and compassionate. Now, I believe that, um, that Jesus longs for true relationship with this woman. I believe Jesus longs for true relationship with this woman just like he longs for true relationship with each and every one of us. Jesus is wanting her to know her true value and to have self-worth. Jesus looked at this woman in the same way that he looks at us and the people that we know. He's looking at this woman in the same way that he looks at us and our friends and our family and our colleagues and the people that we live next to. He looks deep within us, beyond our broken relationships, beyond all of our mistakes, beyond our feelings of guilt and worthlessness. Jesus sees you as his children, as his child. You know, many of us have known that encounter with Jesus for ourselves where we know he accepts us. We felt rejected, we felt despised, we felt lonely and maybe isolated at times. Maybe we felt like we're not good enough. Maybe we felt like, I don't know why I'm here and I just don't want to be here anymore. I just don't fit in. Maybe I felt times when I felt depressed and I just don't want to see people. I just want to be on my own. And Jesus breaks right through that. And he breaks right through that for this woman. He breaks right through that for this world. He breaks right through that for us as well. And he does that by coming to us in this place of inferiority. He doesn't try and be superior. And this is what Jesus is like. This is how he came to the world. He came to the world as a baby in a manger. He loved the world so much that he brought himself really low. The lowest of the low being born in a manger. Because he sees that the way to reach us is by being humble and being vulnerable. And then he goes out of the world in the same way, dying a death that's a criminal's death. The lowest form of death that anyone could have is dying with criminals on a cross. And yet he had no crime. He chooses to interact with this woman by showing that he is not superior. He has not got any prejudice. We should be looking at ourselves um, regularly of how do we relate to people? What do, how do we come across to people? How do we interact? Do we always try to show our best parts or, and try and hide like, the things that we don't want them to see because we want them to think more of us and, and not think less of us? Maybe we should be thinking of ways of how do we show our vulnerability? How do we show our humility? Rather than thinking, I need to show my best self or my strengths. This woman is astounded because Jews would never talk to Samaritans. 
Neither would a single man ever speak to an unaccompanied woman. And they certainly wouldn't have drinks together. He's doing something so countercultural. This woman is experiencing something that is so out of the ordinary. As you continue to read the story of the disciples and Jesus, um, we'll see that the disciples are surprised that Jesus is talking with the woman. Talking to this woman on his own, even a Samaritan woman. And does he not know what kind of life that she's led? And not only that, is he talking to her, he's having a drink with her. I wonder if the disciples learned something that day. Maybe Jesus wanted to teach them something about their own prejudices, challenge their belief that of their of their belief that they have a right to be superior and judgmental. And this is why I think we need each other. We need each other so much so that we can learn from each other how to not get offended by prejudices, how to not get offended by, by things that are going on. But, but we show one another in love where, where that is going on in ourselves. Where are we being prejudiced? Where are we being judgmental? Jesus rebukes the disciples when they wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans. And yet he still discipled them. He still loved them. He still hung out with them. We learn a lot about ourselves and what we think. And we grow when we're with people. That is why discipleship is so powerful. We can be so blind to our own prejudices. We can be so blind when we are being unkind with our judgments. But together we can be sharpened. We can be sharpened to be those that need to be sharp and be like-minded, like Christ Jesus. That's why we shouldn't ever give up meeting together, like go into like the huddles and or connect or young adult stuff or youth or Friday night youth. That's why we shouldn't meet up, um, give up meeting together, because we need each other. That's why we should be going to the prayer meeting tomorrow night. That's why we should be going, meeting up together to eat together next week. Because we can help one another. We can shape one another. We can help one another grow. I've learned so much from people around me. And I used to be quite judgmental in my younger days, believe it or not. I know it's hard to believe, but... And I think, I, think, I think a lot of young people are perhaps a bit like this, in a way. But you, you know what's right and wrong, and you don't understand why people are not behaving themselves. Why are people doing wrong things? And it's not that I have to do all the right things all the time. I always want everyone else to do the right things all the time. And, you, and it's like, it's not that I was perfect in doing all the right things. It was like, I just couldn't understand why no one else was doing the right things. I think I had a higher standard for everybody else than I did for myself, to be honest. But by the grace of God, God worked in my life um, through those I encountered, through the church family, my spirituality, my understanding of God's transforming love worked in my life to a place where I knew that it wasn't right to be judgmental. No longer did I want to be judgmental because my heart was being transformed to be like his 
And this is what happens in community when we're together, when we're rubbing up against one another. No matter how wrong some things are, it's God's love that we should focus on. As we allow ourselves to do that, we are transformed by his love. Idealism or being judgmental doesn't change a thing. All it does, it builds walls around the thing that we're being judgmental about. And then we've got no way of getting through there to express the love of God because the walls are all built up. But love breaks down those walls so much that transformation can come. I love what you were saying about what Rian brought last week, that we are bringers of hope. We are bringers of peace. And the only way we can be those people is if we, we accept people, we love people, we respect people, we honor people. Going back to verse 9, the woman asks, You are a Jew asking for water from me, a Samaritan woman. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This woman is drawn into this amazing dialogue with Jesus. And she is starting to feel valued. She feels seen by him, accepted. And she's starting to get to know him and and going deeper into a relationship with him. Meeting the woman at the well is symbolic of intimacy and relationship in the Bible. I've got a picture of... um, um, love at the well there we go it's a bun I think but when I googled images for um, well and love all these cakes came up so I thought well I might as well use a cake <laughs> it's a bit irrelevant but I thought might put a smile on your face so anyway so um, the well is symbolic of intimacy and relationship. And I suppose we all like having cakes together. Maybe that helps build relationships up. I don't know. There must be something significant about that. <laughs> um, so in Genesis, people met a beloved at a well. Abraham sent his ser- servant to go and find um, a wife for his son, for Isaac. And his servant found Rebecca at the well. Jacob and Rachel met at a well. Uh, Moses and Sephora met at a well. And so these encounters were at a well. There's something intimate about meeting somebody at a well. It's a place of community. It's a place of gathering. It's a place where, of connection. Jesus expresses his love to the woman by showing her value and acceptance when he asked her for a drink. How profound is that? This well is also sacred to the Samaritans. It's Jacob's well. Here Jesus says, I can offer you better water than the water in this sacred well. Jesus is talking to the woman about a life in God, that this well is a significant, this well is sacred because it was built by Jacob, but there is better water that's in this well. And this is the well of life that springs up from within us. And I can offer this to you because I am the Messiah. I am Christ. 
And this water, that, this well that, that you can receive for yourself, not only does it bring healing within you, but actually it wells up from you into the world and brings healing as well as it goes out into the world. When we receive the Holy Spirit, his spirit will work through us into the world around us. When we receive his love and know his love, know that we are truly accepted and experience true relationship with Jesus, then we can express that with others around us, true love and relationship and acceptance with people around us in the same way. On my way here, I was praying and I said to God, God, let me have a fresh revelation of your love. Because I know that if I truly understood your love, if I knew if I truly got it, the fullness of your love, then I know my life would be different to where it is now. I know that the way I am with people will be different to what it is now. I know that there's so much more for my life that I've not yet seen, that I've not yet understood. And we can pray that and ask God to help us with that because there are people out, that, out there that need to experience the love of God, which is so wonderful, amazing, and transforming. And until we get into that place where we say, God, I need a fresh revelation of your love for me, whatever your understanding of God's love for you, Whatever your understanding of God's love for you, God's love is so much more, so much more amazing, so much more powerful, so much more stronger than what we know and what we understand. You know, we can, um, when we reach people and we, we can talk to people about Jesus and we can let them know about Jesus and, and you, know, and it, you know, it doesn't always happen, does not it? It doesn't always like go the way that you want. And yet I believe that as God keeps working in our lives and we keep praying for the people that we want to touch, that, that he is working in their lives. I believe that God is working in their lives where we cannot even see it. We can't even perceive it. Even the things that we've said are seeds sown into their lives and we never know when they're going to come into fruition. We never know. You know, the easiest way for people to meet Jesus is through an invitation to church or to an event. We can tell people the difference that, that God has made into our lives and we can say to people, come and see, come to church, come to church or come to this event, come to Alpha, come to this or that and bringing them to church to, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to move in them. We can rely on the Holy Spirit. Verse 42 says this um, of John 4, it says, they said to the woman, these are the people that were in the town that came to see Jesus after the woman was talking about him. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We can trust Jesus to meet with people. You know, we don't have to try and uh, force them to believe. We can just say, come, and we can invite them to come and see the one that we love. 
Now, the Evangelical Alliance did some research about how people come to know Christ. And it showed that the highest percentage of people that come to know Christ are people is through coming to church, that people have invited them to church or brought them to church or they're at church. But the highest people that know Jesus are because it's through coming to church. And it's because it is hard for us to bring up conversations to people sometimes. Um, but one thing that we can do, one thing that we can do to be missional is to build true relationships with people and to work out how do we show people we love them? How do we show people that we accept them? Because I think that if Jesus went to this Samaritan woman and said, you, you know, this is what happened in your life, this is this, that, and the other, before he had any other conversation with her, I don't think he would have received her. I think she would have gone away and said, it's just judging me, just like everybody else is judging me. But they had some, this, this encounter, this, this conversation where he'd already accepted, already showed her value and love by asking for a drink from him. And then he said, I know everything about you. And it was like as if, but you know everything about me, but you accepted me, you valued me, you showed me love. And, and it, it opened a way for him to, to reveal himself more to her. You know, if we want people to know Christ Jesus, we need to be those that, whose mission it is to make true friendships. And it might be that the Holy Spirit will show you somebody and, and you might think, no, not them, please let it be somebody else. But Jesus is working in their lives and he's saying, I don't want you to be prejudiced. I don't want you to be afraid of how different they are. I don't want you to look at how different they are. I don't want you to look at their lifestyle and all of that. I want you to be friends with them. I want you to love them. I want you to accept them, no matter how different they are to you. And we need to be those that ask the Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, show us, where are you at work? Who do you want us to talk to? The Holy Spirit is on the move. I want to finish with this verse. It's in verse 35 to 38 of John's 4. It says this, don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields that are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. What an amazing blessing it is for us that he sends us to reap where we've not sown. That's like a, it's like a dream, isn't it? We all want that, don't we? We all want to reap a harvest where we've not had to work hard to get the harvest. And Jesus saying, I'm sending you right now into the harvest field. It's ready. You know, and we can ask the Holy Spirit, where is it that you want me to go? Where is it that you have already done the work? Where is it that you're already working in people's lives? And he's saying, go and make true relationships. Go and have true relationships. Because this is how we will win people. Open your eyes and see where he is already at work. And he will show us.
And just as we have true relationship with Christ Jesus and are seen by God, valued by God, loved and accepted, let's be those that that are going out there making true relationships. Let that be part of our mission in life. Make it part of your mission in life. Make it part of your prayer in the morning. God, where is it that you want me to go? Where is it? Whose life are you wanting me to interact with today? Let, that, let it stir something up. You have the, the wellspring of life in you that can bring life to others around you. Can I just pray? As we pray, maybe there's something that you want to just say to God right now in response to that. Maybe in response to the people that you know. Maybe in response to people who you maybe are struggling with relationally and you, you know that God loves them. See, God looks past broken relationships. He looks past heartbreaks and hurts and disappointments. He looks past the chaos and the mess. Lord Jesus, I just pray for each and every one of us here right now, Lord God. I thank you that you fill us with the the spirit of life, eternal life you have filled us with a wellspring of life that brings us so much of who you are into our lives so much so that it goes out into the world i thank you god that you are already working that you've done all the hard work that you're working in people's lives i pray that you will help us to open our eyes even now to see what it is that you are doing to see the people that are broken to see the people that are isolated, to see the people who seemingly have it all together and they don't need anything. And pray, Lord God, you will give us the boldness, Lord God, to go and be your witness, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, that true relationship is powerful and heals. And you give us that so that we can heal the world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.